Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, here's this week's message. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Okay, good. Okay, we're getting there. Good to see you this morning. If you have your Bible, uh, if you'll open up to Genesis, surprise. We're going to wrap this up here, though, in a few weeks. Easter Sunday, we will conclude. Uh, And you may be wondering, what does Joseph have to do with Easter? Well, you're going to find out he has a lot to do with uh, Easter and a lot about reminding us about the life of Jesus. While you're turning there, if you're visiting with us today, we are extremely glad that you're here. Please uh, stop by and grab a red kind of gift bag. Let us know that you're here. There's a QR code on the now the seed are in your bulletin that you can scan and, and fill out some information and let us know that you're here today. You are a special, special guest, and we're glad that you are uh, here with us. Uh, thank you, Rob, Steve, for leading us in worship and praise, praise team. Thank you so much. Have you ever felt uh, abused? I know when I say that word for some of you, 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 you cringe and you tighten up a little bit because I know that uh, in a group this size and even in our church family, as I'm getting to know many of you more and more every week, uh, there may be even some of us in this room who would classify ourselves as having been abused, maybe physically, maybe verbally, maybe in other ways. Uh, maybe it's just abuse where you have been overlooked for a job promotion. Maybe you worked and worked and worked and you thought you were up for the job promotion and you got overlooked or maybe you practice and practice and practice for a sport and you thought you were going to be picked for the team and the coach looked completely over you and he chose somebody else. You've gone through life where you feel like you're neglected or maybe you're forgotten. We come to a story in the scripture today with somebody who knows all about that. His name is Joseph uh, and he has been called as we studied a few weeks ago the dreamer but in this chapter as Rob read some of those verses for us Uh, The dreamer becomes the dream interpreter. And one of the things we've discovered as we've studied the life of Joseph, and we'll look at kind of concluded in the next couple of weeks, is that oftentimes the scripture says that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. So let's read those verses again that Rob read for us and uh, kind of remind ourselves what's happening in this story. It came about after these things that the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. Now, let's just stop for a second. I don't know what they did to offend the king, but apparently they ticked him off to the degree that he said, you're going to jail. I I don't know. Now, keep in mind, the cupbearer and the baker had some very important roles in this time in history. The cupbearer was the one who, before the king would get served his food and drink, the cupbearer would take the cup and drink it and make sure it was okay and then pass it to the king. So if someone tried to poison or assassinate the king, the cupbearer would drop dead in front of everybody and they go, uh-oh. 
Uh-oh, somebody's trying to kill the king. Next, who's the next cupbearer? Who wants to volunteer for that job? The baker was the one who would test the food. So these guys were very important in the life of uh, what was happening in history. Uh, you may read about the cupbearer and the baker and think they had minuscule jobs. They were unimportant. No, they were very important. Because they were the taste testers for the king. And here we are, we find themselves, something they've done, they have offended the king. And he is, in verse 2, we find out he is furious with these two officials. So he put them in confinement, verse 3, in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail. And my translation says a couple of key words. In the same place, I love that, where Joseph was in prison. And the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them and he took care of them and they were in confinement for some time. And the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt were confined in jail. They both had a dream, verse 5 says, the same night, each man with his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph comes to them in the morning in verse 6, he observes them and behold, they were dejected, my translation says, they were sad, they were depressed, they were downcast. And what that word means is there is a physical appearance such that the person who sees them doesn't have to say, are you sad? Even though he asks, he kind of knows because they look sad, they look dejected, they look in despair. And Joseph says to them, why are your faces so sad today? They said in verse 8, well, we've had a dream and there's no one here to interpret it. And Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. So they tell him the dreams. And the cupbearer relates his dream to Joseph. And here's what he says to Joseph. He says, I have this dream. There's this vine in front of me. And and from this vine, there's these branches and these buds and these blossoms that are coming out. And there's these huge clusters of wonderful grapes that are on this vine. And Pharaoh's cup is in my hand. So I take the grapes and I squeeze them and I fill up the cup and I put it into Pharaoh's hands. And Joseph says, wow, that's a fantastic dream. Let me tell you what that dream means. Verse 12, he says, the dream means this, the interpretation of the three branches are three days. And in three days, the Pharaoh is going to lift up your head and restore you to your office. And he'll put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you used to be his cupbearer. Only keep in mind, when it all goes well with you, do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. So he kind of throws in his situation and says, when you share this interpretation... When you see this come to pass, don't forget me. I was a kid kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. So he shares, the cupbearer shares his dream. And it sounds wonderful because he's going to get out of jail. He's going to get set free, restored to his place of position. And so the baker thought, okay, wow. That was a great interpretation. Joseph, will you give me, interpret my dream, interpret my dream. And Joseph says, uh, <laughs> uh, let me share your dream. I saw, I, he sell, tells him his dream, and Joseph says in verse 18, here's my interpretation of your dream. He dreams of these three baskets of white bread on his head, and the birds come and eat out of the basket. And Joseph says, here's your interpretation. Those three baskets are three days, and within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. And he'll hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh. How's that for a good interpretation of a dream? How are you feeling about that? Wow. And it came about on the third day, verse 20 says, which was Pharaoh's birthday. 
Pharaoh has this big party and this big feast for all of his servants. And he lifts up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the baker. He brings him up front, I guess, in front of the crowd and says to the cupbearer, Here you go, you're restored to your position. But to the baker, he hangs the chief baker just as Joseph has interpreted. And yet, verse 23, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. You know, we read the story and there's a lot that could be said from this chapter. There's a lot, by the way, that could be said in a lot of the things that we've looked at. I mean, we could have taken years to go through the book of Genesis. So we may revisit this at some point. But what's happened here and in this story of chapter 40, we will find out next week and in the next week as we wrap this up, that this story, we read this rather quickly, but Joseph is in jail for a long amount of time. Matter of fact, he's in jail for two years. We don't know other things that happened during that time. For some reason, the Lord chose to kind of raise this story to the forefront. And we know that at least during that two-year period, this interpretation of these dreams happens for the cupbearer and the baker. Why were they in prison? We don't know. Perhaps some people have debated maybe they were the ones that were plotting the king's assassination. And the king didn't know who was at fault, so both of you are going to jail. You ever had that happen? If you're a parent, you probably have had that happen. If you've got multiple kids, you probably had that happen. And you've had to pick out which one did the thing wrong. You don't know. Both of you in trouble. Both of you go to your room. Both of you are grounded. If you can't pick, figure out which one, I don't know if that's what happened here. But they both get sent to jail. And as I've looked over this passage the last several weeks, the question that's come to my mind when you think about all the um, challenges that Joseph went through, uh, all the abuse, being thrown in a pit, being sold, and he winds up here again after, don't forget why he's in jail. Last week we read where he was trying to honor himself in a pure way, and Potiphar's wife tried to basically seduce him, and he runs away from her, leaves the garment in her hand, runs away and flees, and he still winds up in jail. It's probably not what he expected was going to happen. So maybe you find yourself right now in some situations where you're just going, I don't understand what's going on. Why would God allow this to happen? I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to do, why would God allow this to happen? What should our response be as a follower of Jesus? Well, we can learn what our response should be by looking right here at what Joseph's response to these unmet expectations was. And here's the first thing we have to remember. Even in dire circumstances, God can still use you and prosper you. Here Joseph finds himself in the midst of a situation that he probably did not sign up for. And it's interesting that in our wonderful North American culture, sometimes we uh, incorrectly think that when we find ourselves in challenging times following Jesus, well, I must have done something wrong. What happened, Lord? Did I do something wrong? We think when challenges come, sometimes we did something wrong. And that's not necessarily true. Even in the circumstances that we find ourselves, in the circumstances that Joseph finds himself, God can still use you and prosper you. As a matter of fact, it's often in those circumstances that we learn the most. When those circumstances come along our way and we have to shift and we have to pivot and we have to do things and we have to change things. Dire circumstances don't mean God's 
not at work. Actually, quite the contrary. Oftentimes it means God is very much at work when those circumstances of life come our way that we don't expect or we aren't necessarily prepared for. I know there are many of you in our church family today who are facing some of those situations. We want to pray for you today. I think about our friend Donna Watson. I think about our friend Paul Clay. I think about Susan Snow this week who was in the hospital. Think about Jan Smith this week that was in the hospital. Those circumstances that kind of show up in our lives, there's no preparation booklet that we've got next chapter. This is what I'm going to face. That often doesn't happen in our life. Just all of a sudden, boom, these circumstances happen. That's the time we need to tune into what God's doing. Matter of fact, this morning, those of you that I mentioned, would you be so kind to come to the front? We want to pray for you today. Can we do that? Let's just stop and do that. Maybe I didn't mention your name this morning and you say, you know what, that's me. I'm in a crazy situation. Didn't sign up for it. Didn't expect it. Didn't know it was coming. Can you just come down? We let, I don't want to pray for you this morning. Anybody else? God knows. God knows. Some of you lay leaders, come on up here and put your hands on these folks and pray for them. Don't look at me like a deer in headlights this morning. Don't be bashful. You see somebody up here you feel led to come pray with, come put your hand on their shoulder. God's not surprised, folks. Dire circumstances are a part of life. doesn't surprise Him. He's large. He's in charge. And He loves you. He wants to use these circumstances of life that come our way to strengthen you. And maybe to strengthen me. To strengthen the church. To grow us. Make us more like him. Anybody else? You'd say, I need prayer this morning. It's all right. I'd be the first one down here saying, I need prayer. Come on in here, Miss Tommy. Anybody else? Anybody else? Those of you that are sitting, would you just pray collectively for this team up here? If you want to grab one or two names that you see standing here that you know, and you know that situation, would you pray for them? Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. And I thank you, Lord, that even when dire circumstances come our way, you're still in charge. And you desire to use us, mold us, make us into who you want us to be. And Lord, I pray right now, in the powerful name of Jesus, for these friends that are standing here, who need a special touch from you. They have family members, perhaps, that need a special touch from you. They need strength. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would give them peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, we are reminded that when things like this come, though we are weak, you are strong. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would strengthen these men and these women up here today and to remind them that you have not forgotten where they are. You love them and you have a great plan for them. I pray, Lord, you'd meet their need today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Church family, we don't have to do that just one Sunday a year. As a matter of fact, we should be doing that every week. As one of your pastors, I'll just be honest with you. I'm convicted we don't do that enough. 
Don't get me wrong. I love preaching the Word of God. The worship services that we have together are not just for music and preaching. That's two very important components. But one of the main, one of the other components of us gathering together is a friend of mine says it's, it's body ministry. It's the opportunity for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to minister to one another. Don't ever be ashamed or, or, or think I'm going to freak out if in the middle of a service you feel led to get up and walk across the room and just stick, place your hand on somebody and pray for them. Praise God. That's a visible demonstration of life in the body of Jesus when those things happen. So even in the dire circumstances that many of us face, I just want to remind you this morning, God can still use you and prosper you. As a matter of fact, the second thing that we learn from this story in Joseph is God will actually use those circumstances for accomplishing His mission. How great! Because if the things of life that we go through were just for whatever, and there was no purpose and there was no reason for them, wow, who would want to live that kind of life? Who would want to go through the challenges of life? Who would want to watch their mom go through chemo, as some of you are doing right now, and see her wither away and then start to regain her strength? Who would want to go through that if not the purpose being to see God's mission accomplished? Otherwise, it's just a waste. In church family, what we learn from this life of, of Joseph in this story of Joseph in this chapter is something very key. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. There's no moment, there's no event, there's no tragedy, there's no good thing, there's no bad thing. There's nothing that has come across your path that hasn't first gone through the hand of God. There's nothing that has happened to you that God is not, does not want to use to accomplish His mission for His glory. And for your good, by the way. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 28. I am, I, 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 he said, all things work together for the good... To them that love the Lord and are calling to His purpose. In other words, we misquote that verse a lot and we think it means God's going to make everything work out good. No, that's not what it says. God's going to take everything that you and I go through, the good, the bad, and ugly, and turn it around and make it for, happen for good. The impact is going to be for good if you'll turn your attention to God. And the result will be His glory. He will take the bad stuff and he will use it. He will work through, through those situations. It's amazing to me. I think part of Joseph's being in tune with God is he knew that. So how did he know it? Well, let's backtrack and think about his story. He was thrown in a pit to die. And all of a sudden, the Ishmaelites come by. He's taken out of the pit. He's sold. And then he finds himself serving under the king. He had to go, wait a minute. <laughs> I was supposed to die in that pit. I was supposed to, life was supposed to be over, and now I'm standing here beside the king. So he had reminders along the way, thankfully, that God gave him to remind him, Joseph, I am still working. And those dire circumstances that come across our way that God will use for his mission, uh, I, I'm not saying this morning, don't misunderstand, that God makes those things happen. God does allow those things to happen. God doesn't always make things happen, but we live in a fallen world as we discovered in Genesis chapter 3. And a lot of times the things that happen, God allows them to happen so that He can get glory, His mission can be accomplished, and it can draw us and maybe push us closer to God. I remember when 
Our family moved here to Greenville 10 plus years ago. And about five years before I walked onto uh, the property here at Crossroads and came into the sanctuary, the chapel, uh, we had been in the midst of planting a church and we had gone through all this stuff and all these challenges. I won't bore you with the long story, but the point of it being for about two and a half, almost three years going through it and we just never could get legs, never could get legs. And it was easy for me after the fact to just start going, God, what were you doing through that? Why, why was all that? What was the purpose of all that? It was just a waste. Little did I know what God was doing. That many of the people I built relationships with over those Three years almost prior to coming here are relationships that are still being uh, impacted. I'm still being able to, to be in relationship with those folks actually being right here at Crossroads. Just interesting. Just a reminder that we don't, we don't know everything like we think we do. Sometimes what we think is a detour is actually a divine interruption. And we think, God... <laughs> Why have you got me over here? I was getting this way. You got me detoured. And God's going, no, 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 no. It's not a detour. This is a divine interruption. Those three years for me weren't a detour. Those were three years of God preparing me, teaching me, showing me things that I didn't even know I was going to need right now in 2022. But I'm human. And I thought at the time, you're just wasting my time, God. You're just moving me around like a chess piece, just having fun. God doesn't do that. Nothing is wasted with him. I like some people say it this way. God will take your seeming setback and turn it into a set up for a comeback. And some of you feel like you're in a setback right now. I'm just telling you, hang on. Hang on, because God is going to take those dire circumstances and turn them around for his mission. The butler and the baker, no candlestick maker yet in this story. But the butler and the baker, they were plotting, maybe perhaps some say the king's murder. They whatever they did, the king was furious about. The Bible tells us in verse three, he put them in confinement. The king put them in confinement where Joseph was. Which is interesting. They were there in the midst of that situation because the king put them there. Dear friend, if you're a child of God, whatever situation you find yourself right now in As dire as it might be, consider that the king, Jesus, may have strategically placed you right there for a reason. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Oftentimes I'm in that situation and I'm just complaining about it. And I'm wallowing about it. And I'm whining about it. And it's called the wambulance. I'm I'm like a baby. I'm just complaining. And then God's just going, you're totally, hello, you're totally missing what I'm trying to do here. God has a plan. He has not misplaced you. God does not misplace his children. The other thing that I see here that's interesting. In due time, God will vindicate you. If you have had abuse or unmet expectations or maybe you've been unjustly accused, God will vindicate you now you may say wait a minute pastor jack are you the last verse of the chapter did you read the last verse of the chapter yeah i did because he told the cupbearer hey when you get in front of the king and you this interpretation of the dream comes to pass don't forget me hello i'm the one that interpreted the dream don't forget me but we find out at the very last verse the chief cupbearer did not remember joseph but forgot him 
Just say, Pastor Jack, how does God vindicate Joseph? Well, God's already vindicated him multiple times, and we're going to discover over the next couple Sundays, he's going to continue to vindicate him over and over again. And one of the ways that we know right now in this chapter that he's been vindicated is in the very first verse. Did you miss it? I missed it the first several times I read it. Because it says this, As it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Verse 3, here it is. So he, the king, put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the guard. You know who the captain of the guard was? Potiphar. The king. The king was the captain of the guard. The king determined who was in prison, who was out of prison. The king made those determinations. So the king has already proven, already vindicated Joseph. Maybe the king realized, I don't know, but maybe the king actually realized my wife is a liar. And she's conniving. And she's a... I guess it would be a, I was about to say a womanizer, but I guess it would be a manizer. And she likes to play the field when I'm away because as I told you last week that was kind of the custom. So maybe he actually believed Joseph. I don't know. Maybe in an attempt to save face before all of his other officials, he just said, instead of killing you for running off and my wife trying to make me think that you were being inappropriate, I'm just going to put you in prison. That way I'll know where you are. I'm going to keep my eye on you. Because I'm going to be using you later for something more important. Some of you maybe feel that way. Feel like God's kind of put you over there and he's forgotten you. Maybe he's put you over there because he's preparing other people. Because he has a big plan for you coming. It may be that you're not ready for it, but it may be the other people aren't ready for it. And so you see here in this situation with Joseph, not only what was going on would continue to give him vindication, but in due time, God for sure is going to give him vindication. I don't know if that's ever happened to you or not. I had a friend, gosh, 20 years ago. Long story, I won't bore you with it, but the short version is this person did me wrong. In a, in a significant way that hurt ministry-wise, it hurt financially-wise to the tens of thousands of dollars. Just thought this person was my friend. Started to create the rumor mill. And like Joseph, I was like, God, what is going on? Why is this happening? Wah, wah, wah. That was me. Several years went by and I thought, okay, God, you've forgotten about that whole situation. Those people still think the way they think of me because you never vindicated me. I'll be honest, I got angry. You never vindicated me. I did the right thing. You never vindicated me. Another two years passed, three years, four years. Fifteen years later, this person calls me and says, I'd like to have coffee with you. I wanted to say, Coffee! I'm going to give you some coffee. That's what I wanted to say. Aren't you glad we don't always, all of us always respond in the flesh with what's in our mind? Hallelujah. If we did, woo. 
And thankfully, I said, okay, I'll meet you for coffee. And I met this person for coffee, and I had tea, they had coffee, and sitting across the table... All he could do is weep and say, I'm sorry. Forgiveness is easy to give when you see somebody like that. And you realize for 15 years, this battle probably that's been raging inside. Some of you have been mistreated, done wrong. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, not, not you. I could have taken vindication in my own hands. That's not a proper response when those things happen to us. And they're going to happen because we live in a fallen world. What we've got to do is trust that the king of the universe will be the one to bring our vindication in due time. Man, that's hard. It's not easy. The last thing that I see here in this text from the story of Joseph is Sometimes our unmet expectations are an opportunity to serve and to see. It's very interesting. I mean, I don't know what your response would have been if you had been thrown in a pit, you've been sold, you find yourself kind of restored and vindicated, you're back in the king's house, his wife lies about you, you find yourself thrown back in prison. I'd have been ticked off. I'd have been mad, I'd have been pouting, I'd have been sitting in the corner wallowing in whatever. But Joseph is alert and watching. And he's watching to see who can I serve and what what can I do for God? How can I impact the kingdom? That's amazing to me. I want to be like that. And what what tells us that is in in verse 5 and 6 when he's... When he sees these two guys, the butler and the baker, and he asks the Pharaoh's officials, verse 7, he says, why are your faces so sad today? I mean, he sees these two guys who are sad. He could have been wallowing in his own situation, but he has enough observance to and enough wherewithal to see what's going on with these two guys. He sees them. He responds to them. Why do you look so sad? The truth of the matter is if he was bitter and angry, he probably would have not been too concerned for somebody else's problem. He had compassion on them. And as I was reading this again this week, (laughs) as you know, I just write down things as the Lord tells me. So I'm going to tell you what he said about me. Jack, do you need to get your eyes off yourself? Maybe you're not looking at others because you're too focused on yourself. See, I think that's how the world is, especially right now where we find ourselves Adults and young people, the world is so good about dividing us because there's a whole culture right now that is shouting, shouting injustice about this and injustice about that and injustice about this and I didn't get this and I didn't get that. I think the king of the universe is just going, my goodness, listen to the babies. And it's easy to look at this story, at least for me, and to go, well, Who do I relate to? Out of all the characters in this story, who do I relate to? It's easy for me to look at the story and go, well, I I relate to Joseph. And that's okay. Maybe you do. But there's three people in the jail. Along with the officials. The butler, the baker, and Joseph. And Joseph is actually the innocent one. 
He's a picture of Jesus in this story. And our culture right now is all about crying about our injustices and we need this and we want justice for us. And yet Joseph in this story, think about it, he comes into this prison falsely accused. He shares the same condition, the same living accommodations, the same situation as the butler and the baker. And apparently one of them did something because one of them didn't survive. So one of them is guilty. He reveals this interpretation of the dream. He reveals God's interpretation of the dream to these two guys. And three days later, his innocence is kind of proven because he correctly, his dream comes to pass. His interpretation is true. My friends, isn't that exactly what Jesus Christ did for us? He comes into the prison. He shares our condition as sinful humans who have rebelled against God. He takes that sin upon himself. He reveals God's message to us by saying and coming to the planet, coming to earth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am God with us. He comes as a manger in a manger. He comes, he grows up, he lives a sinless life. No fault. And yet he was falsely accused. But three days later, after he was crucified, he vindicated himself. I told you so. He proved his innocence. And much like Joseph, this man Jesus, he took tons of abuse. What's different though about Joseph and Jesus, Joseph's words, his interpretation of the dream, it it only rescued the innocent prisoner, not the guilty one. The good news is if you're here today, I have great news for you, actually superb news. The message that Jesus has for you and for me today is, He is here to rescue the guilty. So it's easy for me to read this story and go, I relate to Joseph. I do. But I also can relate to the butler and the baker. Because outside of the forgiveness of Christ, the guilt of my sin should put me in a permanent prison. And that permanent prison is separation from God forever and ever. The last thing I wrote in my notes here to share with you this morning is this. I think about Joseph, and I admire Joseph. I'd love to be more like Joseph in a lot of different areas of my life. As I was thinking about that this week and praying about that, I wrote down this comment as I was thinking about the life of Joseph. All people that God uses greatly, He first prepares greatly. Let me say that to you again. All people that God uses greatly, He first prepares greatly. Maybe the situation that you find yourself in today is preparation. So the question that I'm asking myself and I would challenge you to answer this morning is would you allow God to use those things that are coming across your life and into your life to accomplish His mission? Because here's the reality, if you, as you read about Joseph and so many other people in the Bible, the reality is this, few people are willing to endure the greatness of God's preparation. We all want to be great for God, we all want to be used mightily of God, we all want to have a Joseph story, but few people in the world are willing to 
prepare greatly to be used greatly because we want it to happen like that. Doesn't happen that way. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the life of Joseph. Lord, I pray this morning that as we examine our hearts before you, no doubt it's probably 100% of us in this room that could say we've had things in our life a long time ago, recent, or maybe in this moment that we say are challenges, not what we expected. Things that should have happened one way, they happen another Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us, Lord, how to respond. Maybe, Lord, we've responded incorrectly. And we just need to confess to you and say, Lord, I don't, I don't want to whine about it. Would you help me? Would you give me your mind on this thing that I'm going through right now that I would respond the way that you want me to? Church family, I want to give you just a moment right there where you're seated just to pray that prayer perhaps to the Lord and say, Lord, show me, teach me. What is it that you want me to learn from this circumstance today? In just a minute, we're going to have a hymn of invitation, a song to give you an opportunity to respond to what God has spoken to your heart this morning. I'll be here at the front. I'm going to ask Heath and Corey, my friends, to come stand as well. Maybe you need prayer this morning. Maybe you just need to come to these steps and kneel and confess and say, God, I need you. Maybe today you find yourself in your own prison where you've never said yes to Jesus. And you need to be set free and you're saying, how do do I do that? How do I do that, Pastor Jack? It's the same way that we see in this story of Joseph. You just call out to God. You believe his message for you, which is that Jesus is there for you. He died for you. He paid the penalty so that you can come out of that prison. Maybe you need to accept him today and accept his forgiveness today. If that's you, then we'll be standing here at the front during this song. I would just ask that you would just respond as God moves on your heart. Father, have your way during this invitation. We give the rest of this service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Joey's going to lead us in a song of invitation. I pray you'd respond however the Lord's moved on your heart today. Heath and Corey and I will be standing here waiting. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.